I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey guys, and welcome back to The News Du Jour, a calmer space to consume the news. We're so glad you're here. Today, we do have a stacked episode for you guys with a ton to go over. As promised, we're going to go ahead and start off with the Idaho 4 as our first full story, but I do have two miniature stories to go over here at the top. So let's start with those. The first one, I want to give you guys an update from yesterday's episode. In Brazil, 200 people were arrested at their capital, but luckily, unlike here in the U.S., no one was killed in their capital riots. If you don't know what I'm talking about and are curious, we covered it in yesterday's episode. And next up, another little follow-up tidbit. Republican Representative Mike Rogers of Alabama has announced that because of attempting to start a physical fight on the House floor, he is stepping down from his position on the GOP steering committee. He was the one that we had discussed in maybe yesterday's episode that he had to be physically restrained from harming the taunting representative Matt Matt Gates. If you want more details, head to yesterday's episode. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. And now, without further ado, we will go ahead and jump into the new details about the Idaho 4 killings. With a suspect in custody, you see documents have come out that are shedding further light on the Idaho 4 killings. According to the podcast Going West, here are some of the biggest revelations that we compiled. Kind of from our perspective, to me, these were the most like important and interesting details. I think all of us are wondering how they ended up with this suspect. And to catch you up in case you've never heard of this case, four students at the University of Idaho were killed in off-campus housing. They were renting a little house and in the middle of the night they were stabbed to death. Four students. There were two roommates in the house who were not killed. So it was a horrific scenario in a really quiet college town. So 
everyone has just been waiting and waiting for answers and they finally arrested someone. So this person seemed to be a little random at first. And so some details have now come out about why he was their lead suspect. So let's go over those. First up, there was a knife sheath left on the bed where two of the girls were left dead. This sheath had DNA on it for one male. So they obtained that DNA and saved that profile. Then one of the surviving roommates saw the intruder. He was wearing a mask, but she was able to give the police a general description of his height, his weight, and said that he was lean but athletic with bushy eyebrows. Then a neighbor's video camera caught a car driving past the house repeatedly that night. It was seen then driving away at high speed away from the house right at the time that the murders were likely to have been committed. They traced that car to this suspect and he was an eerie match for that description given by the roommate even down to his bushy eyebrows. So the investigators followed him to his parents' house in Pennsylvania where he had gone for the holidays and they went ahead and obtained DNA from their trash. They got DNA from Brian's father and it was a direct match for the father of the DNA found on the sheath in the bedroom. So hope that makes sense. They found the father's DNA and it, you know, DNA can function in a way where you can tell how someone's related. And this was a direct match. So Brian's DNA was on that sheath and Brian's car was driving around that scene at the time. So this is pretty, uh, pretty definitive evidence. I also wanted to go over a few other suspicious things that happened to do with this particular man. You know, they're not directly pieces of evidence, but they look suspicious. So he switched out his license tags right after the murders were committed. He was seen wearing gloves around in public, even indoors, and they were often surgical gloves, so they weren't necessarily for warmth. He detailed his car like crazy after the murders. His cell phone happened to be off at the time of the murders when it was on all of the rest of the time. And at his parents' house, he reportedly took out a bag or two of trash at like 4 a.m. and put it into his neighbor's trash bin. Of course, these things could have simple explanations. You know, they don't directly link him to the crime in any way. They just look sus given all of the direct evidence against him. What's bizarre is that he had posted this survey to Reddit for criminals and asked a lot of questions about how they got to and from their crime scenes and essentially how they planned out their crimes. So you would think that someone who was that calculated and wanted to know all the stuff about how to plan a crime wouldn't, you know, leave a sheath behind by accident and drive past his victim's house over and over or leave a living witness. It almost seems like he wanted to be caught in a way due to all of these somewhat obvious mistakes. And the reason I say they're mistakes is like he was asking on these Reddit threads how to get to and from a crime scene. I mean, he literally took his own car. So 
it just doesn't seem like he was being that careful. But anyway, like I said before, when we've covered this case, he was a criminology student in undergrad and he was in a graduate program currently about criminology. So you would think he'd be more studied than this. Additionally, his professors said that he was one of the brightest students they ever had and that they're completely shocked by all of this. He was also stalking this particular house, it seems, because his cell phone pinged in the area of this street 12 times leading up to the crime when he has no known connection to the area. And also, a lot of those cell phone pings were like in the middle of the night or in the very early morning hours, like around the time that this crime was committed. This man also had a history of bullying, harder drugs, and derogatory behavior towards women, particularly at bars. I still personally don't understand how someone could have committed this crime all alone or without a gun. You know, there were four grown adult victims plus two other people in and a dog in the house? Like, how did he maintain control of everyone? How did he keep them quiet without somebody in the house hearing? It just doesn't seem to make sense, to me at least. So whenever he was arrested, he did immediately ask if anyone else was being arrested, which a lot of people took to mean he had some type of accomplice, but there was only one man seen seen leaving the house. There was only one man's DNA on that sheath. So as of right now, it does seem like there was just one person who did this, but you never know. I feel I still feel like it'd be so difficult for one person to subdue four adults, especially I think from what I've heard, two were in one room and two were in the other room. So how did you not like wake up the other person and cause them to scream or freak out? And if they did scream or freak out, then how did the other roommates not hear it? Like that's just, you know, it just doesn't seem very plausible to me. But regardless, it's good that they have made this really definitive connection to this man. Hopefully the families can at least try to get some closure. Our hearts go out to the families of these four bright young people whose lives were taken away senselessly and far too soon. And next up for today, we went to go over Prince Harry on 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper. So Prince Harry went on 60 Minutes, and I was honestly expecting the same complaints that he and Meghan had touted throughout their six-part Netflix series. But honestly, the focus was very much shifted away from the British press and really towards his family, specifically the death of his mother. During the Netflix series, Diana was definitely touched on. You know, he said repeatedly he didn't want history to repeat itself. But here with Anderson Cooper, it was really front and center. Harry lost his mom at age 12. What a formative and traumatic experience that must have been, especially with so much of the British public grieving for him and his brother and almost kind of through them. 
In this 60 Minutes interview, Harry confessed that he genuinely believed his mother had just gone away somewhere to get away from the press and that she'd get in touch with him either by visiting him or sending a letter or some other type of sign that she was still alive and okay somewhere. So he was constantly watching out for her. And beyond that, William expressed similar thoughts to him, further solidifying his theory. So he would wake up from his bed in the morning thinking, maybe today's the day. Maybe I'll see her today. So heartbreaking. Heartbreaking honestly doesn't even begin to cover it. He said he believed this until his early 20s. And I'd actually seen this headline on social media and I was reading some of the comments and a lot of people chimed in who had lost their parents at a young age that they believed the same thing, that they had just gone away somewhere. So this may be a common coping mechanism. I'm not sure, but it it would be especially understandable given what was going on in Princess Diana's life at the time. You know, she was just being hounded. So it's understandable that he thought that, but... Once he was in his early 20s and started to realize, no, she's really passed on. At that point, he began to shift his focus to understanding what exactly had occurred in that tunnel. And he even hired a driver in the same type of car to take him through the tunnel at the exact speed that she was said to be traveling during the accident in the correct lane, etc. He wanted to replicate it and see if it was even possible for it to happen the way that they said it did. He asked to see the photos from the crime scene because he wasn't even confident that she was in that car. He needed convincing in his 20s. He said he is still unsatisfied with what he's been told about her death, and he said he thinks the whole world is unsatisfied. I know I am personally, but he also said that nothing would really change his reality or the outcome. He said he's been running on adrenaline since that day in August 1997. As a mom to a little boy, hearing Harry say these things absolutely broke me in half because I know, here we go, I haven't cried on here in a while, um, I know she would probably give anything to be able to send Harry a letter or just show up one morning to see him to be able to bring him breakfast or kiss him on the head and tell him it was one elaborate hoax just to be with him. But that thin veil that exists between our reality and the great beyond is drawn between the two of them and it's left a hole in both of their hearts. And last but not least, since we are coming right up on the 15-minute mark, I wanted to go ahead and let you guys know that the Northern California storms are continuing, which is just insane. Um, If you remember, we've covered it on here. California has suffered two sizable earthquakes in the north and a snowstorm and a rainstorm. And now apparently there's even more headed their way. So definitely thinking of you guys up there in Northern California and definitely tune into your local weather if you haven't already. And that is the news du jour. 
Today, I wanted to leave you guys with a quote. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with a quote. We will repeat what we don't repair. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review or shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us be able to keep creating the news du jour. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar-free media. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram and just sugarfree media, all one word on TikTok. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from. Oh.